I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting. There are a group of women here that have some faith, and we are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom of God, not just to be born again, not just to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, but to walk in the kingdom of God. That's walking in the power. And we welcome you to join us and join your faith with us that we can all walk together in the power of God. All right? Let's open with prayer. My heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here with us today. Father, I thank you. I thank you you sent us Jesus. Father, I thank you. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. And Father, turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Before we begin, I want to thank, I want everybody to know and thank the gentlemen and the women that helped to put this program on. They've been helping me now over a year. We have David Casperite as my producer. The um, Sharon Brockett takes care that I look good. And Paul Peters is our, takes care of the audio. And I've got Anthony Reese and I've got Roy Oakley and I've got Mike Wigington that run the cameras. I give thanks for all these people that help put this on. You know what? They, they do it <laughs> hopefully out of love. All right, let's go ahead and begin. We're going to start with a testimony. I think you're going to really enjoy this. This testimony, Melissa, Guthrie, if you'll come up here. She's going to share about what God did for her when she lived in, what town was that? Plannersville. Plannersville, Texas. And I'm going to step out of the way, and you just go for it. Okay, in 2011, I was living with my kids out in the woods. We had cleared the land and designed and built our own house, and to us it was paradise. And one day my neighbor says, Melissa, go upstairs and look out your north window. And I looked, and in the distance, smoke, just smoke. And all on the west was smoke. It was Father's Day, and a man had knocked over his barbecue pit, and we were in a horrible drought. It ended up burning 5,000 acres. We had firemen coming in from all over. I went in my closet, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. They get a call and it says, pack up, you may have to evacuate. Fire's moving 35 miles an hour. I can't run that fast. How do you evacuate for a fire? You can't dig up grandma's azaleas. You can't get your grandpa's antique desk. You get the dogs and the cats. You can't take the chickens and the bunnies. You pack five cars. You can't just take two contact lenses. You have to take the whole year's supply. You may never come back. You get your photos. We were all just fine. We had peace. The Prince of Peace was with us. Then the time came. We did not ever have to leave. Other people had to leave. We did not have to leave. The time came when God, the creator of heaven and earth, sent the right wind and the right rain put it out. We were fine. Then, two months later, a fire started on the east side and the north side. This fire burned 20,000 acres. It was devastating. 
they closed the roads, and I had one child that was not home yet. She stopped at the grocery store, and there was a lady there that said, oh, just drive down here, drive down there. We're way out in the country. It's hard to. So she started out, and then there was somebody at the road that pointed the way, and she got home before they closed the roads because his angels camp round about us and protect us, keep us safe. Again, they say, pack up. You're going to have to go. Everybody around us except my front neighbor and back neighbor had to go, but not us because the fourth man in the fire was with us. <laughs> the smoke was so bad from this fire that people in Houston an hour away were in the hospital. It never bothered us. The guy went completely away from us. Uh, the only thing was my dryer had broken and I had to hang our clothes out in the trees. And they got a little smoky. It wasn't a big deal. We never had to leave. We were never, never bothered. I'll always praise him. I'll always praise him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 If you will turn with me to Isaiah 53, I want to show you. Uh, everyone, when they hear a testimony like that, and that is a beautiful testimony, twice, big fires, she never had to leave. Why? Well, we say Psalm 91. Yeah, but where did Psalm 91 come from? Why does Psalm 91 work? Why does Psalm 91 work? We quote it all the time, but why does it work? The answer is in Isaiah 53. And the answer is in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's our Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. All the sin that causes fires to start. He was bruised for our iniquities. The curses on us that would cause devastation. He was bruised for our iniquities, and this is it, the chastisement of our peace. The punishment, the correction, punishment for our peace was on Jesus. That peace, that word peace, includes safety. It includes health. It includes, uh, it includes welfare. It includes security. What kept that house there was the people that lived in it had their hope in the gospel, had their expectation. That's what hope is, expectation in the gospel. Why? That Jesus had already paid for their security. He had already paid for their welfare. He had already paid for their health and well-being. He had already paid for it on the cross. And you know what that does? Believing in that, trusting in that, it causes the power of God to make it so. It causes the power of God to make it so. So that the fire never came. So that they never had to leave. So that their property was taken care of. It made it so. Amen. Now, there is something else I want us to go over today. If you will turn with me to Galatians, uh, to Proverbs 8. God had a beautiful word for us yesterday morning, if you heard it. It was beautiful. It really burst up in my heart. Dole was asked me if I wanted to sing a song, and I mean, this thing was right here. My heart was exploding with the word that I had yesterday, and I want to go into it a little bit further. If you haven't heard what it was, you'll hear it today, only with a little more explanation. If you'll go with me to Proverbs 8, verse 20. Proverbs 8, if you study it out, even though it, it talks about a fem in a female voice, Proverbs 8 is Jesus. It's Jesus. 
We know it was Jesus because it says he was there before the mountains were formed. He was with the Father before the mountains were even formed. He was with the Father before the earth was even made. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And there's a marvelous verse in here. Two verses. And I'm going to begin in verse 20. I lead. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. I lead in the way of righteousness. I lead in the way of righteousness. We know from John 10 that Jesus is our shepherd and he leads us. We know when we're born again, he becomes our shepherd. And if we will let him, he will lead us. And well, how does he lead us? He leads us in the way of righteousness. The right way. He leads us in the way of righteousness. He leads us in the right way. In the way that God wants. That's the right way. There is no other good way. There's only one way. The way of righteousness. And that's the way that God wants to lead us. In the midst, in the middle of the paths of judgment. Of judgment. Of justice. Of correction. Jesus will lead us in a path of justice. Of, of judgment. Of correction. Judgment in this sense is not batting you over the head and throwing you in hell. That's not this judgment. This judgment is justice. This judgment is to make you right. It's the path of correction. So Jesus leads us in the right way, the way God wants us to go. The right way. And he also leads in paths of judgments. He fixes things. He corrects things. He leads us in a way where we'll be corrected. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Until you start walking it. Until you start walking it. You know, I have listened to many ministers. I have listened to not a lot, but I have listened to other ministries. I don't know of one other ministry that teaches this. That teaches you what to do on the path that teaches you how to walk the path, that teaches you what to, what to do when it comes up in the path. If you will turn with me to Galatians 5. You are going along, believing the gospel. You're singing, you're, you're, you're thanking God. You're worshiping God. Everything is just hunky-dory. Everything's working fine. And then something happens. Something happens. Somebody says something or something over here happens or a family member does this and it all goes out the window. And you're standing there faced with you. You. Oh, I don't like to be with me sometimes. Especially when this comes up. Galatians 5. This is what happens. Now, it says, verse 18. But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are these. The works of the flesh. What we do when we're not in the Spirit. The works of the flesh are manifest. Oh, do they manifest. God has the perfect way. You know, God does not... Hang on a second. God does not tempt any man. That boy, he knows how to put you on a path that that stuff's exposed. It's called trying of your faith. He knows exactly the right path. He knows exactly where to put you. He knows exactly what you should hear. 
that you find yourself, you see your heart is exposed to yourself. And it's not fun. And this is what happens. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. And they pop up. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. It means full of lust. Idolatry. Idolatry. You know, we think, well, we don't, we don't, we don't worship idols anymore. Oh, really? How much time do you spend in front of that mirror? Uh, can you live without watching pro football on Sunday? Whatever comes between you and God is idolatry. If there is something, someone, some it, that comes between you and God, that's idolatry. If you're looking at that instead of looking at God, that's idolatry. You know, laziness is idolatry. Stubbornness is as idolatry. Got quiet. Uh, idolatry, witchcraft. Witchcraft is anything that puts itself against the word of God. Witchcraft, hatred, variance. Variance means contention. Contention. Have you ever met a contentious person? It doesn't matter what you say, they're going to argue with you. Emulations. That means rivalries. Rivalries. Why do we have rivalries? Wrath. Strife. Seditions. That's divisions. Heresies. Envyings. Envyings. Murders. You know, they, they put envy and murder right beside each other. Drunkenness, revilings, rioting, and, and I love this, and such like. And such like. We have a term in English called catch-22. Anything that's not written, but it's still, it's still in there, it's called catch-22. That's and such like. And we could fill in the such like. We can fill in the such like. So we're walking on this path. And, and, and God, that something happens. God causes a situation. And one of these flares up in your face. And you see it's in your heart. And you see it's in your heart. When it first started happening to me, I, I tell you what, I said, well, that's not me. That lasted about five minutes, and then I thought, oh, Kathy, come on. Be honest with yourself. If you're not honest with anybody else, be honest with yourself. Because you're stuck with yourself. You're, you're, you know, I've told you before, I wanted to get rid of me a long time ago, but I'm the only one I got. So i got to fix what I have. And, and this stuff comes up, and it's like, there it is in front of your face. Something like this happened a couple, several weeks ago. And it was interesting. It was a situation. It was just a couple words. And it was like all of a sudden I was flooded. In fact, it wasn't even something that was around me. We were in here worshiping. Just worshiping God. Minding my own business. Worshiping God. And, and the situation came up in my heart. And immediately there were some feelings that weren't godly. And you know, when, when this stuff happens, I, I'm sure, you know, I'm not even going to ask for a raise of hands because we've all done it. My spirit just dropped. 
I thought, here we go again. You know, I'm looking right at this. And I'm, look, I'm not looking at the situation. I'm looking at the feeling. Why do I feel this way? Oh, my God. What's God going to say when he finds out this is in me? Have you ever felt that way? What is God going to do with me when he finds out this is in me? Oh, in the old days, that was awful. It was awful. Those feelings, that, that offense in myself, they would last for weeks. Weeks. It seemed like the only thing that made it go away was I forgot what it was. And I could worship God again. You know what? That word yesterday was beautiful. It was beautiful. Because the first time that word came to me yesterday was a couple weeks ago in that situation. There was the feeling. And we're worshiping. You know, and everybody gets to stare at me. And so I can't sit there and go... <laughs> to put some gestures, you know, I mean, the camera's on you. What are you going to do? You go stone face and you close your eyes because you don't want to see anybody else. All you see is you and you don't like you. And this feeling is back. What am I going to do with this feeling? Now, you know, we, 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 our heart gets disheartened. We want to give up. Yeah, I was going just fine. And now this, this, this should have been dealt with years ago. And here it is, staring at me in the face. And you know what? It's standing between me and God. And it's saying, see, I told you you were this way. See, there's no hope for you. See, you're never going to get rid of this. See, it's going to be there. God knows it's there. He knows it. And you know what? It was beautiful. It got so bad that there was pain in my chest. There was strong pain in my chest and I thought now what am I going to do you know do I lean over and tell Doyle I'm dealing with some offense here and I can't breathe I stood there and I was looking at God and I, I, I got humble real quick I said I need help and that's when the word came I knew it was in there and I sent him anyway I knew that was in there, that offense. And I sent Jesus anyway. I sent Jesus anyway. Oh, did that help? Did that help? I sent Jesus anyway. He knew how bad I was. He knew all my sins. Go with me to 1 John 3. He knew them all. When he called me, he knew that was in there. I didn't. When he called me, he knew all the sin I had committed. He knew all the stuff I had in my heart. He knew all the things that defiled me. He knew it. And he sent Jesus anyway. He sent him anyway. Oh, was that comforting. When I considered those words, he sent Jesus anyway. The pain in my chest dissipated. It was like it just floated away. It dissipated. Why? Because God was ministering to me. 1 John 3, verse 19. And hereby we know that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. 
Verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, that's exactly what happened. My heart condemned me. There you are. I knew. You knew that. You know you're that way. You know you're that way. You're just that way. I mean, I could hear, you know, the devil didn't need much help. I could do it all by myself. I can condemn me all by myself. I don't need the devil. But he helps. And it says God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart. And it's the next phrase that I never really saw and knoweth all things. And knoweth all things. He knew that was in there. He knew that was in there. He knew that was in there. And he sent Jesus anyway. Why? So Jesus could deal with it. He knew that was in there anyway he sent Jesus. He knew it was in there. You know what? He set up the whole situation in the middle of praise with people watching me. He knew it. And he brought it up out of my heart. You know, I, I get messages worshiping God. I get my messages praying in tongues. I get, uh, you know, God ministers, talks to me. That's why I love to come here and worship for the hour and plus. Because God's talking. I'm, I look for him to talk to me. I get in his presence so that he will talk with me. I was all excited. And he shows me this. Thank you very much. I mean, it was the situation that happened years ago. He knew it was in there. He knew it. And he sent Jesus anyway. He sent Jesus anyway. He said, Any, God is greater than our heart. You know what? He wasn't a bit afraid. He wasn't a bit afraid to show that to me. You know what? He was not afraid he was going to lose me. That's what we're afraid of. Now I've blown it. I'm never going to get it back. Oh, no. God is greater than our heart. Do you know he can make you stand? He can make you stand in the middle of that sin. He can make you stand. He is greater than your heart. He is greater than your heart heart. And you know what I found out over the years of walking with him and this stuff happening it happens often. Why? Because he leads us in paths of correction. He wants us perfect. He wants us justified. He wants us with him one and one and nothing in between us. That's his love for us. That's why he sent Jesus. He wants that. You know what I found out in the middle in the middle of going through this and, and the sin all over you and the offense all over you, thinking that, well, you know, I remember in Frisco it would happen and I would think, oh God, now I'm going to have to deal with this and it's going to take six weeks to deal with it and we're going to starve because I can't use my faith anymore because I got this. You know what? He's greater than your heart. He is greater than your heart. I learned the hard way. He will not let you fall. He will not let you starve while you're dealing with your own heart. He will not let you. Why? He's your father. He's your father. You mothers, you're not going to let your kids starve while they're struggling, are you? No. Well, you're 
the heavenly fathers ten times, a hundred times, a million times better than you are. And he is much stronger than you. He is greater than your heart. When I had to deal with this stuff in Frisco, we never starved. You know, we, we got close, I thought, on some occasions, but he always held me up, even when I felt like there was no faith. Even when I felt like I was lost, no faith. He held me up. That is the God that is greater than your heart. And verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, when you get through it, when you get through it, oh, it's so fun to get through it. It says, when it, uh, when it condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God. Then our confidence toward God is your faith working. Confidence toward God is trusting that God is going to do what he promised he would do. That's confidence in God. That's using your faith. That's trusting what God said God would do. That's all faith is. Trusting that God will do what God said he would do. Because he can't lie. And he never fails. He never fails. We fail. We quit. But then we get right back on it and we believe again. We don't spend the day beating ourselves over the head, I used to say, with a wet noodle. We get back on the wagon, and we start moving. And how do we do that? Go to uh, Hebrews 9. Don't go there, but Ephesians 5.19 talks about it. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice it says, speaking to yourselves. Speaking to yourselves. Thank God when I was on the camera a couple weeks back, I could speak to myself without, I mean, you see me sometimes get very quiet and the head drops. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me, Cassie, Cassie. And that day I said, that day it was so beautiful. My chest hurt. And I said, but he sent Jesus anyway. He sent Jesus anyway. He knows this is in me and he sent Jesus anyway. And the faith, my faith started rising. And like I said, the pain dissipated. I overcame. I overcame. Not only did I overcome, but read here in Hebrews 9, 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, and that means cleaning up the outside, how much more, how much more, how much more, a million times greater, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, purge it, Get it all out. Purge your conscience from dead works. The things you've done. The dead things you've done. The sin that you've committed. Dead works to serve the living God. What did I do? Speaking to myself. The blood of Jesus. Jesus. Father. I remember Father. 
you sent him any way. And he bore this feeling I have on the cross. He bore it. He bore the sin that's causing the pain. He bore it on his own body. A man. I love it. Just a, a man. On the cross. That eternal spirit. That eternal spirit made sure that my sin, what was in me, would put on that body. They worked hand in hand. A man. And that eternal spirit worked hand in hand to get me free. That's why God sent him. He sent him anyway. So he could work with the eternal spirit. And that eternal spirit got my sin put on that man's body for me. I'm talking to myself. Speaking to myself. Preaching to myself the gospel. And when that sin was on there, what I feel right now, what this is, was put on that body. Put on it. And Jesus paid for it. He paid for it. He paid for it. He paid for it. I don't have to. He paid for it. Not only that, he went to hell for it. And he paid in hell for it. Psalm 88, the wrath of God was on him. The wrath of God, why? Because he was paying for what was in my heart. He was paying for it. That's why God sent him. That's why God sent him. That's why God sent him. He wanted Jesus to pay for it. He wanted Jesus to pay for you. He wanted Jesus to pay for it. For God so loved you, he sent him anyway. Knowing what we were, knowing what I was, he sent him anyway. Glory be to Jesus, he sent him anyway. And he paid for that sin. He paid for it. I don't have to. And in talking to myself, and when he was raised from the dead, he took that blood that he shed on the cross to the Father in heaven and sprinkled the heavenlies. And not only was my sin forgiven, but it was wiped out. It was purged from my conscience with the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus not only forgives the sin, it purges it out of your conscience. You know what the amazing thing is? When that blood purges it from your conscience, you don't even remember it. I was driving in here knowing that this was the message that God wanted me to talk about. And knowing the situation that happened a couple weeks ago. And I'm driving in a car and I'm worshiping God and I'm thanking him because I love that anointing. And it was on me. And you know what I realized? I can't remember what the sin was. I can't remember what I got so offended over. I can't remember. And I'm sitting in the car and I started trying to rack my brain think, thinking, what was it that, that what, wait a minute, I'm not going to pull this back up. Are you kidding me? 
bury the sucker. So I don't remember what it was. Thank you, Jesus, I don't remember. Why? It was purged from my conscience. It was purged from my conscience. Can't tell you what it was. Glory be to Jesus. You know what? That's for all of us. That is for all of us. Your walk is led by Jesus. And he will walk you in paths of righteousness. And he will show you your own heart. Don't get dismayed. Don't be disappointed. Don't lose your faith in your heart. Don't do that. Remember he sent Jesus anyway. He sent Jesus for the very reason that you're offended. The very sin that is brought up, that's why he sent Jesus. Remember that. Remember that. All right, I see it, Father, and now that's why you sent Jesus anyway. Oh, you don't have to wait the weeks to get back into the Spirit like I did at the beginning. It was weeks. But it doesn't, you'll get faster and faster. Don't be disheartened if it takes you 10 minutes. Don't be disheartened if it takes you 10 hours. Don't be disheartened if it takes you two weeks. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> I felt that one. <laughs> Do it anyway. That's why Jesus, he sent Jesus anyway. He sent Jesus anyway to justify you. That's why you met it on the path. Amen? Now, to do that, to have that, to have that assurance before God, to have that assurance that even when God shows you your wicked heart, that you can have the assurance that God sent Jesus for you anyway. To have that assurance, you must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus said it. You must be born again. He said it in John 3. Now, if Jesus said you must be, you must be. How do you become born again? Thank God he made it easy. When you were born again, you have Jesus come into your heart. His spirit comes in you. He dwells in you. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's a miracle how Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, comes into a person and walks in them and leads them and guides them. And that can be for you. He can do it for you. All you have to do is ask. Pray with me. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Jesus, you lead me. Guide me. Fix me. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. And you go, you start on a path that gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and stronger and more powerful and stronger and more powerful and the miracles start happening until the day that Jesus calls you and you go up to be with him. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you right now for the power of God. Father, I thank you for the power of God. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the power of God in this meeting.
Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting and for those that are listening. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Thank you. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the power of God in this meeting. Father, I thank you.
you to pray for my daughter Julie <laughs> I get thanks Jesus I get thanks I get thanks Jesus God's gonna set you free all the way I get thanks Jesus and we got a bunch of it today deep stuff we're going after the deep stuff we're not going after them little fear devils that run around we're going after the deep stuff I get thanks Jesus all right God bless. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, post office box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.